You know, this is the wrapping up of the senior pastor series in the month of September. Every September, I'll take the month uh, with the blessings of the pastoral staff to share God's heart and God's vision for our church and God's heartbeat for our church. And for the past um, four weeks, we have expounded on a vibrant church of disciple makers that reproduces vibrant churches. And then we share with you the four messages about loving God passionately and loving people passionately. And then we share about living authentically, you know, biblical discipleship. And then we share about giving generously because all that we have belongs to God. You know, that biblical stewardship of understanding to give generously and then to go courageously, okay? And then we want to uh, bless others with all the blessings that God has uh, given us, right? Naturally, and we expect the church to go full speed, right? Go ahead, but not yet. I just felt strongly that before we can go on, before we can move forward with the possibility of all that God is giving to our church, with all the resources that He has endowed our church with, and before we go forward, there's a lesson we must learn together. There's a, there's a lesson in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1-9, to 9, that a church that is a vibrant church tend to move, tend to do things, tend to add on more things, but without honoring God in all that we do, we will just become a social club. We'll just become a country club. We'll just become just, you know, community activities without spiritual reality, without God anchoring all that we do together. So we must have that before we can say, let's move forward with the blessings of God, anchor strongly in Christ, and able to move on together. So today, a vibrant church that honors God as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Verses 1 to 9. Let me read to you. Okay, follow along on the, on the PowerPoints, okay? Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then following in verses 4. It says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in Him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, in these five, nine verses here, I believe there's a strong foundation, even as Paul spoke to the church in Corinth, but it is also speaking to our church today. The church in Corinth has some issues to deal with. The church in Corinth were richly endowed with spiritual gifts, but as they move forward, being a testimony in the city of Corinth, they were reminded just from that very beginning of the book about the foundation that we have today, the foundation that we need. And that foundation comes in initially in, in the three verses that Paul gives the greetings to the church. Okay? When he greets the church, basically it is about our identity. Okay? Because he will touch on he being the apostle. Okay? He will also touch on a brother named Sosthenes. And then he will mention that, church, you are the saints. And then he will give a benediction from there. 
In verse 1 says, Paul called by the will of God. Okay, he was called, he was so confident in who he is in Christ that he is called by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. See, Paul was not a religious worker. He was sent. He understands that he was sent by God to be authorized to speak God's word, to speak the will of God, and to build his church and to lead his church to carry out the great commission that Jesus has given them just a while ago when they were still in that early stage of the development of the church. Paul was so confident of who he is in Christ that he is the apostle sent to do God's work. And secondly, he mentioned about a brother named Sustenus. And most likely this brother uh, is the same brother who was recorded in Acts chapter 18. That when Paul was in the city of Corinth, okay, the Jewish audience was like, happy with him. So they took him before the authority and tried to accuse him of stirring up issues in the city. But the Roman authority says, no, 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 that's, that's a religious issue. That's a civil issue. Don't come to me. You guys take care of that. And the mobs were not happy. And they beaten up a ruler of the synagogue, like the chairman of the synagogue, in charge of the synagogue, and his name is Sustenus. That's the same guy. Most likely, he's the same guy. And later, most likely, he became a believer of Jesus Christ. So Paul, as he was writing, he mentioned this brother. Now, it sounds like they are co-workers working together, right? There's a hierarchy. There's who is authorized, who is in charge, who is the leader. But you know what? Paul understands the biblical concept of working together in the team. He truly understands who we are in Christ. He says, he's my brother. He's my brother. Okay. But more importantly, as he moves on uh, in verse 2, he mentioned about who we are. Okay. He mentioned about the church of Corinth, who they are, and that's us. We are a church of Jesus Christ. He said, to the church of God that is in Corinth. That, that, is, that is so fundamental and so essential to the church of God in Corinth. It's not the church of Corinthians. It's not the church of the Corinthian believers. It is the church of God who happens to be in the city of Corinth. Okay? And we, First Chinese Baptists, Walnut, happens to be the church of God in the city of Walnut. And that clearly tells you who is the head of the church, who has the greatest say in the church, and whom we should submit under. As the church of Jesus Christ, we are to submit under the headship of the head of the church, our Lord Jesus Christ, because this is a church of God that happens to be in the city of Walnut. And then he says, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. We are called to be saints. You know, we often forget our identity in Christ. We often forget our primary identity in Christ as saints. Not perfection. Not that we are without sin. We still sin sometimes and we confess before the Lord. But saints sanctify in a sense we are set aside for God's purpose. That's the meaning of saints. We are put aside only for God. It's like we are on reserve. You are reserved for God only. There's no other 
rulers. There's no other authority. There's no other loyalty. Your only and my only royalty is to Christ because we are sanctified. We are separated for His purpose and for His purpose only. And that's our primary calling. So holiness matters to us. To be different from the world, to be different from the sinful lifestyle, to be different from the worldly desire is expected of us. We are different. Not that we are superior, not that we are better, but because we are called in Jesus Christ, He called us to be saints, and we are just different. And you and I know better nowadays, our challenge is that we don't see that difference anymore. We don't see that difference as much anymore. We are so much like them, and that becomes an issue. Because of all the breaking down of rules and regulations and truth, that truth is being com compromised, and absolute truth is being compromised. And that gives us a lot of excuses to be like the world. And that's a challenge to us today as we live in this world. And, and Paul was telling the church of Corinth, no, 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 you are saints. You are sanctified. You belong to him and belong to nobody else. You live your life in a family. You live your life as students or as workers or employees, employers, for his glory and for his purpose because you are sanctified. Uh, for him. But look at the next phrase. You are sanctified together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord. Their Lord and our Lord. Same Lord. You are not a long ranger. You know, as Christians, no one is supposed to be isolated. We are all connected. Not only connected in the same church, but we are connected with all those, all churches who call upon the name of the Lord. Same Lord. Our Lord and theirs. Same Lord. We are all connected into this Christian community. And we become stronger because of that. Now, there are challenges in there. There are differences in there that we need to work out. But we become stronger because we belong to the whole community of Christians that are under the headship of our Lord Jesus Christ and worship Him and honoring Him and walking with Him. You know, notice the importance and the prominence of calling in this passage here. Paul is called by the will of God to be apostles. And verse 2, he called us to be saints, to be sanctified for God's purpose. And then he called us to connect with those who call upon the name of the Lord. And then later on, we'll touch on verse 9, that we are called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ and Lord. We are called. Because God's purpose and God's desire is for us to respond to Him. And that's the basis of a vibrant church. You see, sometimes you wonder, why are we doing all this? Or why are we sharing every time in September, we talk about what God is telling us and what God has for us and how do we move forward together as a church? Because that's that basis. It's that, it's that identity in Christ. We are saints. We are sanctified. We are set apart for His purpose. And we seek the Lord together and say, God, as your people, endowed by your blessings, endowed by all the spiritual gifts that we have here, what is your desire for our church? And every church is different, right? And what we have here, the makeup of this congregation, is just unique right here. And we are like, God, what is your unique plan for FCBC Walnut? And we believe that God's unique plan 
is to build a vibrant church that reproduces vibrant churches locally and globally by loving God passionately and loving people passionately, by living an authentic discipleship together, by giving our resources and sharing our resources generously because that, that all belongs to God, and by going courageously out the four walls of the church to bless others. That's God's calling for us, and that's the basis. It is our identity in Christ, to be saints, to be sanctified for His purpose. And then He gave the benediction of the grace of God and the peace from God uh, that comes upon the congregations, the undeserved merits that come from God, the reconciliation that we can experience with God and with other people. They can only be found in Jesus Christ. And that is the basis of the greetings. And that tells us who we are in Christ, our identity. And then secondly, he moves to the thanksgiving and shows our blessings in God. You know, knowing the church in Corinth who are dealing with all kinds of issues, and many of you have studied the book of First uh, Corinthians, knowing that they have to deal with sexual immorality, they have to deal with disunity, and they have to deal with um, uh, incest in some ways, and they have to deal with uh, uh, just proud and arrogance and, and in their spirituality, Com competitive, you know, trying to outdo each other in terms of their service, in terms of their spiritual gifts, know knowing the church has to go through all that, but Paul was still thanking, thanking God for the church. That's truly, uh, truly amazing. And then later on, we will discover why he has such confidence in the Lord to be able to give thanks to God. But first of all, he thanked God for giving us salvation. In verse 4, he says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. The grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Thank God for His just undeserved, unmerited favor from God through our Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation through His substitutional death on the cross and then followed by His burial and by the resurrection resulting in the forgiveness of sin and reconciliation with the Heavenly Father for those who call upon the name of the Lord. That's the grace of God. Even the church in Corinth, they received that grace as well. And then secondly, he gives us spiritual gift. And the church was deeply and richly endowed with spiritual gift. Verse 5 says, And in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge. In every way. Oh my goodness. That church is a gifted church. And the gifts are prominent and clear. Okay? And you wish that we can have all these gifts in us as well. In every way, enriched in Him, all speech and all knowledge. What is that? Some commentators say, well, eloquence. Eloquence in knowledge. Others say, well, knowledgeable in God's Word, depending on that speech. What do you take that speech for? The speech is just logos. Okay, the same word that talks about in verse in John chapter one. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was logos, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Okay, if you take that as the Bible, then that church is knowledgeable in God's word. Or I think I tend to lean toward the third explanation: the all speech and all knowledge most likely talks about the spiritual 
expression, the spiritual gift expression that is so prominent in the church of Corinth. In chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14, they begin to express in tongues. They speak in tongues and interpretation of tongues. They, they speak in prophecies. And they were gifted with those special gifts for that purpose. And they begin to use that to outdo each other to see who is better and who is more spiritual and who can do a better tongues and more interpretations and, and all that. The abuse and the misuse of spiritual gift. I think Paul, at the very beginning, on the onset of the book of Corinth, uh, in, uh, in, Corinthians, in the book of 1 Corinthians, he was already telling the people that it all comes from God and it is for His glory. And in verse 6 says, Even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, as much an issue as the church was struggling with, the church was used by God to confirm the testimony about Christ. Something is happening in that church. They are doing something right in that church. So don't just give a blanket, you know, right off of the church in Corinth. In verse 7 it says, So that you are not lacking in any gifts as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are not lacking in anything. You know what? With, with whatever you have, church in Corinth, with whatever you have now, with all the spiritual gift that is given, that is manifesting in the midst now, that's more than enough. That's more than enough for you to carry through all the way until Jesus reveals again, until Christ comes back again. You don't need more spiritual gift. You have enough to carry you all the way until Christ returns. That's, that's truly amazing. But yet, that is also very humbling. Because what they need is not more spiritual gifts or the competitive spirit or outdoing each other or using and misusing the gifts for their own desire by their arrogance. What they really need is the fruit of the Spirit. They really need the fruit of the Spirit. Enough spiritual gifts. And I wonder whether that will be a warning and a reminder for our church as well. Because as I look down there, as I look at three congregations, I know that God has richly endowed us with spiritual gifts. But what about the fruit of the Spirit? Of love, joy, peace, patience. That may not be as prevalent, as visible in our lives. What about goodness and kindness? and meekness, and faithfulness, and self-discipline, which may not be as visible in our midst as we serve Him. And the toughest one today, as we deal with it, is self-control, self-discipline. You know, it's so challenging nowadays for us to exercise self-control and self-discipline because of all the temptations and because of all the lurings that is coming upon us, because of all the commercials trying to justify things and say, hey, do it, go, go, go for it, right? And, and sometimes it's so hard to resist the temptation because it's, it's legalized now. And that gives you and me uh, kind of a legitimate reason that we can do it. Well, it's lawful now. It's not against the law. And it's easy for us to just play with it and, and, and trying to justify ourselves. Well, it happens only once in a while. And sometimes we, we kind of popularize it. Everybody's doing it. 
Or sometimes we compare it, right? Well, I'm not worse than him or her. And sometimes we are addicted to it. Well, I have to have it. And sometimes we feel like we deserve it. I'm stressed. I'm stressed out. Got to do something about that. And that might be my outlet, you know. Self-control is so challenging nowadays. And, and that's why when, when Paul calls the church to come together with all those who call upon the name of the Lord, their Lord and ours, it is a call for us to come into a community of believers, coming into small groups, coming into community groups and say, hey, let's journey together. Because alone, alone, we may not be as strong. Alone, we tend to fall into temptations. But together, together, self-control is so much easier when there is accountability that is based on trust. And that happens in the small groups. We may not need any more spiritual gift, but maybe we need more fruit of the Spirit in our midst to continue to journey strong and to walk with Him. And then thirdly, in verse 8 says, Who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ? And that is why Paul was confident enough for the church of Corinth and said, I give thanks to you, I give thanks to you. Not because of the church, not because of the behaviors of the lifestyle, but really it's because of Jesus Christ. Because we are sustained by God until the end. We are sustained to the end by Jesus Christ so that he will present us guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, in the end times, when he comes again. He presents us as guiltless. Guiltless what? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross. Because he died on our behalf. Because in Christ, there is no more condemnation. Because of all the works that he has done, he was able to present us guiltless in the day of our Lord. So it's not about us. It's not about how much we can do. But it's really about Jesus Christ himself and what he can do through us as we continue the journey with him. He sustains us to the end. He's not, we are not perfect yet, but he's shaping you and shaping me and molding you and molding me. He's breaking you and breaking me so that we can be more like him. It's a process that he will lead us to go with him. He sustains us to the end. And then fourthly, he calls us into an ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. He said, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, this is what the church in Corinth needs, and this is what we need as well. An ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. That fellowship with Him, that we are in Christ, our union with our Lord Jesus Christ, our, our, you know, emulating Him to be like Jesus. It's an ongoing relationship. It's an ongoing uh, journey that we need to go together. And I want to just remind all of us that as we journey together to build a vibrant church that reproduces vibrant churches, right? Naturally, we become busier. We want to do more things and we want to get active and we want to sign up for this and for that. And before you do that, make sure you have this ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the basis. That is the basis of a vibrant church. An ongoing 
relationship with Jesus Christ. See, my fear, my fear is because we can see ministry, because we can see projects, because we can see the works that is visible to our eyes, we tend to focus on that because we can measure them and we can see them happening. But for all that to happen, for the lasting impact, for the spiritual impact, it has to be undergirded by an ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. And sometimes my fear is that the more we serve, the less, the less we worship God. The more we serve, the less we study God's Word. The more we serve, the less we pray. Because those are invisible things. Those are the roots of a tree that is so essential to keep the tree erect, to keep the tree's nutrients flowing up there, to keep the tree strong and bear fruit. But you don't see them. And because you don't see them, we tend to neglect them. And today, that verse 9 is so essential for us to move forward together that he calls us into an ongoing relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Corinthian fellowship with Christ began when they trusted him as their personal savior. But Paul's major concern in this epistle was that he would enjoy deeper and more intimate and more satisfying fellowship with Christ as they dealt with things that were limiting that fellowship. Why were the church in Corinth so worldly? Why was the church in Corinth compromising in so many areas in their Christian walk with the Lord? I think mainly it's because of this verse. They have stopped their ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. So church, I want to really caution you and really want to remind you and me that the worship of God is essential to build that ongoing relationship with Jesus. That prayer is essential. Essential. Not the pastoral prayer that we pray. We love to pray for you. We love to be the priest to, 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 to give pastoral care for you, you know, and, and praying for you. But you need to pray and build that ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. And you need to read God's Word on your own so that you can build that ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. That through the revelation of God's Word, you understand Him, you know Him, you grow deep in Christ. You become stronger in your faith as you journey together with Him. That foundation cannot be compromised. That foundation cannot be neglected. That's my fear. I think that's what pastoral team's fear is. That. As we open up another church building, right, in about six months' time, as we celebrate our 35th anniversary, as we ordain some key leaders uh, into our church life, you know, our fear is that we, we only look at what is on the surface, what we can see, and we tend to neglect what we can't see, the root, the foundation. And that is as essential. In fact, that is non-negotiable because without that, the building on top will not hold, will not stand in a storm, will not stand in an earthquake without that strong foundation. And we all need that. We need to be reminded of the importance of that. And today, I just want to wrap up the message as a reminder for you that we want to be a vibrant church, 
that is deeply committed to honor God and to live a godly life. Because our tendency is that we want to be a vibrant church that keeps busy and keeps going and opening up new possibilities, go out forwards and start new things and bless people and start all things. Wonderful, it's great. We got to do because God has endowed us so richly. But before that, before that, deeply committed to honor God, high view of God and high view of Scripture and to live a godly life. Even the church in Corinth, they confirm the testimony in Christ Jesus. Even the church in Corinth. And if we do not have an authentic life that is consistent with what we do here, then we see a disparity in message. We see a conflicting message. And that in itself is a disservice to the Great Commission. It's a, it's a, it's a disservice to the testimony that the church can present in this community. And together, we want to remember a vibrant church is deeply committed to honor God, to honor God, and to live a godly life together. Now, let me just uh, remind you about two applications. One, we honor God. We honor God. High view of God and scripture is very important to us. Okay? Have you noticed that in that nine verses, at the very beginning of the book of Corinth, okay, 1 Corinthians, the word, the name of Jesus Christ is mentioned over and over and over again, nine times. Nine verses, nine times. Every verse is a mention of Jesus Christ. That tells you and that reminds you of the centrality of Christ in a church. The centrality of Christ in a church. And four times, God, the name God is mentioned. God's will, Paul says, by the will of God, I am called to be an apostle. God's church Okay, the church of God in Corinth. And, and, and God's grace, God's grace in Jesus Christ has come upon you. And God's faithfulness, God's faithfulness. And you need to build that ongoing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You see that, that centrality of Christ? You see the prominence of God in the church life. You know, sometimes you can do church without God. You really can. It can happen. You can, you can, you can adopt some, some ways of just touching people's emotions and get them cry and get them love a little bit and come up with nice music and come up with nice, you know, feely stuff and, and get them excited, you know, and, and give them challenge and visions, you know, stuff like that. You know, they get excited and say, hey, there's a future here. Let's do it together. You know, you, you can easily build that. And, and God can be squeezed out of the church while in the name of God we're doing things that God doesn't need to be here. And that's the danger for our church. As we press on, that we need to come back to the foundation, we need to come back to the root, we need to honor God in our lives. See, everything begins with God and everything will end with God as well. And as a church of Jesus Christ, we must pay attention to God. Pay attention to God. Otherwise, we're just doing wonderful things here. Charity and community service and, and cultural networking and clangs and, and country club style. Then God doesn't need to be here. And we are only using the name of God, trying to pull people together. But God was not honored uh, in all that we do. And that we need to really 
remind and warn uh, and, and, and journey together strong. Okay. You know the human nature is such that take care of me, right? I come to your churches, okay, take care of me. Okay, take care of me, take care of my children, uh, take care of our youth, uh, take care of our, our married couples and middle age. We have midlife crisis and take care of the seniors. We need to face crisis and death and health issue and life is tough and we need hope, we need joy, we need fellowship, we need small groups. You know, we, we just naturally ask the church and say, hey, take care of me, take care of me, take care of me. But remember, God is using all that platform to point you to Jesus. All that we do here is to point you to Jesus and to develop an ongoing relationship with Him because we can't save you. We can't help you. We can only do that much. Ultimately, you need to come to Jesus, an ongoing relationship with God. Honor God. Honor God in our church life. Honor God in all that we do. And everything begins with relationship with God. And discipleship allows you to experience the abundant life in Christ. So you and I need to be engaged in a disciple-making process and grow together. Honor God. Then we can press on confidently because it's grounded in God. Secondly, I just want to remind you that holiness matters to us. Sanctification matters to us. Holiness is tough. Sanctification is challenging. We are like the church in Corinth living in an environment that, that tends to dismantle all the truth, all the resistance, all the accountabilities that we try to build and that we dismantle that. And give you justification and say, go ahead, do it, it's okay. Everybody's doing that. But we know better. We know better because our basis is God's word. You know, it's not whether it's legalized or not, but what is God saying in his word so that together we can honor him and do what he uh, would, would call us to do together. You know, I, I'm so naive and, and, and so outdated and so belonging to the past generation that I didn't know that there are all kinds of apps out there that can just provide one-night stand. I didn't know there are apps out there that says, you know, just free sex, you know. No, no, no commitment, no responsibility, and no lawsuit, okay? Just come and do it, you know, just go home. I didn't know there was things like that. You know, I'm so outdated and so out of touch. Just, just imagine, right? It just sounds like the city of Corinth. Promiscuous, you know, all kinds of sexual scenes and, and, and all kinds of issues. Materialism uh, that is building all around us. And as Christians, we are affected as well. As Christians, unless we grow deep in Christ, an ongoing relationship, and really place ourselves under the accountability of a community group or a small group, okay? All this things are happening out there, it's so difficult to say no to, okay? especially when we are alone, especially when we do not connect and, and grow together. But holiness matters to us because that's who we are. We are called to be sanctified for His purpose. I want you to know that the pastoral team has constantly prayed for you, that we often pray for the holiness of our church, that we often pray for the ongoing revival of our church. Okay. And we know there are some undercurrents. We know there are some issues. And we keep praying. We can't, we can't journey with you every day to where you are. We can only pray for you and ask God and ask the Spirit to convict our hearts and to remind us 
when we come to the point where we begin to waver as we come to a temptation, and then God's word will come to us and say, no, 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 no. You are sanctified. You are reserved for God only. And you need to obey and you need to ask God to allow you to stand strong and, and to walk with Him. And sometimes as we live in this world today, and especially to build a vibrant church together, um, we, we need to watch out for, for the tolerance, the tolerance of habitual sin and, and tolerance for, for bondage of sin in our lives. Because we become more and more desensitized to it. And it's like, you know, I know it's not right, but, you know, but, you know. And then we allow it to happen over and over again. And you are like that, I'm like that too. Because we are not in perfection stage yet. And we need to grow together. You know, issues like that, we need to talk about and say, yeah, God, we all struggle with that. And we must grow strong in Christ. In Christ. Not that we can, just like the church of Corinth. Not that the church can, but He will sustain you. He will sustain you and present you guiltless in the day of Jesus Christ. And He is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's why Paul can say, I give thanks to God for you, the church in Corinth. And same for us as we continue to journey strong together. I just want to just pour my heart to you and say, hey, let's strong, let's grow strong together. Honor God and be sanctified for God's purpose. Honor God and be sanctified for God's purpose. Then we can journey strong together. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for the Senior Pastor series. You allow us to, to, to come under the teaching of God's Word. And today, as we wrap up that series, we, we come back to God. We come back to God's Word. We come back to who we are in Christ. And we come back to an ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ as the foundation, as the basis for us to press on together. Father, I pray, I pray that you will call us to worship you and we will respond. I pray, Lord, that you will call us to pray to you and we will respond. Father, I pray that you will call us to dive ourselves into God's word, immerse ourselves in God's word and allow the truth to shape our mind and to shape our decision-making process. And we will respond to you. That will be the basis for us to build a vibrant church that will reproduce vibrant churches locally and globally. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this reminder as we come back to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.